This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Delicious food and drink, always a nice crowd. You can either eat in the lounge area, there's normally a game on and a nice group of people there, or you could sit out in the dining room. Don't forget the nice weather, they have the deck open. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, delicious food and drinks awaiting for you. I'll see you at the Lodge. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, depietro.com. Well, the situation at the border, now we spoke to Ira Millman of Fear uh, right at the border. Let's go to, this uh, is really getting desperate. Title 42 expires, and they're seeking, they're gathering at the U.S.-Mexico border, hoping to enter. Let's go to, uh, this is a good report by GMA. Good morning, America. The pandemic immigration policy is officially over, and we're going to talk with the Homeland Security Secretary in a moment. But first, we're live on both sides of the border this morning. Maria Virial is going to start us off in El Paso. Good morning, Maria. Hey, good morning, Michael. There were concerns and predictions that once Title 42 ended, we would see a rush of migrants at the southern border. That didn't happen here in El Paso, Texas, but what we did see was 150 migrants dropped off at the school behind me that is now being used as a shelter, the first group so far. This morning, as Title 42 officially comes to an end, migrants amassing along the U.S. border with a surge of American authorities waiting on the other side. We have a lot of different agencies here, as you can see. Plus, there's even more just on standby, if needs be. As of midnight, most asylum applications in the U.S. now require two things. Non-Mexican migrants must first apply for and be denied asylum in another country. And migrants will have to make an appointment on the CBP-1 app. If the rules aren't followed, migrants face deportation and are not allowed to enter the U.S. for at least five years. Overnight, a federal judge temporarily blocking part of the White House's plan to address border crossings, barring federal agencies from releasing migrants before they've been given a notice to appear in court. Amid already overcrowded facilities and millions of cases already on the court's backlog, Customs and Border Protection calling the ruling harmful, saying it will undercut our ability to efficiently process and remove migrants and risks creating dangerous conditions for Border Patrol agents and migrants. That overcrowding exacerbated in Title 42's final days. Large groups of migrants rushing to the southern border to beat the clock. Four days. This family with four children waiting to get processed near the border wall in El Paso for four days. One of the last groups to come through before new steeper consequences set in. U.S. Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz confirming already there are 26,000 people in custody. To relieve the pressure, officials flying asylum seekers to other parts of the country for processing. And overnight, an El Paso city-run shelter receiving several busloads of migrants. And the Biden administration overnight taking another hit. The ACLU confirming they are now suing the government over what they are calling the travel bed. That is the consequence that says that you have to go through another country and be denied asylum before you could come here to the United States. George. Okay, Maria, thanks. What a complete disaster. And folks, again, it's not going away. What I um, is interesting to me about the crisis at the border is it's not something that they can hide. It's not something that uh, in any way that, that they can hide and just try to say that it's going away. Now, they did speak with this Secretary Mayorkas, who is a complete disaster. Listen, listen to this uh, interview. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security. Mr. Secretary, thank you for joining us this morning. Hours since Title 42 expired. What are you seeing at the border right now? George, thanks for having me. We're seeing uh, precisely the challenge uh, that we expected. Uh, we knew this was going to be a difficult transition when Title 42, the public health authority uh, that stemmed from the COVID-19 pandemic, when it ended. And in, indeed, it ended at 11.59 p.m. last night. And now we are using our um, immigration authorities, our traditional immigration authorities that deliver tougher consequences for people who cross the border illegally you tougher consequences but right now you have a lot of migrants at the border limited food limited water could this have been avoided you know um 
George, this is something that we um, were ready for. Uh, it, we cannot control the movement of people uh, before they reach our border. Our responsibility uh, attaches once they are uh, in our custody. I will tell you, we have made it very, very clear, and we continue to communicate to migrants that this is not the way uh, to seek relief in the United States. It's extraordinarily dangerous. They are in the hands of ruthless smugglers. We have built lawful, safe, and orderly pathways for them to come to the United States. They are going to meet tough consequences if they arrive at our border irregularly. What is your re reaction to this ruling from a federal judge last night blocking you from releasing more migrants into the U.S. without an order to show up in court? Georgia, we consider it a very harmful ruling. Uh, the practice of releasing uh, individuals when our Border Patrol uh, facilities, when our Border Patrol stations are overcrowded is something that each administration has done from administration to administration. This is a harmful ruling, and the Department of Justice is considering our options. You see Texas Governor Greg Abbott is starting to send more buses of migrants all across the country right now. He says he's doing it because the administration is not doing its job. George. It is a very sad and tragic day when a government official uses human beings as pawns to score political points. Objection. And at this point, how long is the situation going to go on and is it going to get worse before it gets better? We, we have said all along that this period of transition from using a public health authority to our traditional immigration authorities is going to be tough. It's going to be challenging. But we have a plan. We've been executing on our plan. It will take time, but we have confidence that our plan will work. It has worked in the past. Secretary Marcus, thanks for your time. This you know, morning. that guy, you know what's interesting is talk about Ramundo dodged a bullet. She initially wanted that post secretary department of health and human service and look at that i mean no they, they haven't done anything they've dropped the ball on it uh biden is certainly under the gun and now you have a full-fledged disaster this is the administration they encourage those people to come here they encourage them to come here one thing you can't you can say about trump president trump was a deterrent he acted as a deterrent and the people were afraid to come in you are listening to The John DePietro Show. Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401 732 1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot. J, letter J, J Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. Online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on Facebook. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM can always listen online at the website to petro.com folks joining us right now he has announced he is a campaign he's going to challenge state senator well Rhode Island, excuse me u.s senator sheldon whitehouse and it is republican ray mckay ray first of all good to uh, talk to you we've spoken in the past and congratulations on the announcement of your campaign uh, good morning john thank you for having me on and uh thank you for uh the announcement congratulations uh we're looking forward to a uh, good 18 months talk to you know take me inside what has brought you to this point where you are ready to be the challenger against senator sheldon whitehouse well this has been a long time in coming i see a lot of problems going on in washington um our senator no longer reflects uh the beliefs and the needs of, of our people we see inflation out of control. We see gas prices out of control. Utilities are out of control. And his focus is on a 
uh, a narrative uh, that doesn't help America, doesn't help the senior citizens, uh, doesn't help the average everyday people, the, the young folks who are just joining the workforce. Uh, he's more about his uh, his narratives, uh, one-sided, um, and he's no longer about America. You know, Ray, I've interviewed you in the past. If you wouldn't mind, just to bring people up to speed, you're lifelong, not only Republican, but a conservative um, you've never veered from that. Certainly not even, you know, uh, I wouldn't say, in the, you know, you're not a moderate, you're, you're a conservative, but, um, and I know you're a veteran, but if you wouldn't mind, just touch on a little bit, just so people understand how you arrived at this moment in time. Sure. So I am a Rhode Islander, born and raised here. I grew up on the east side of Providence, uh, spent 11 years in the United States Army, uh, 26 years with the city of Warwick. I'm a father. Uh, I'm a grandfather, and uh, dare I say, as I said in my announcement, I'm a great-grandfather one time. Uh, I take a look at the kids that I have today and look at the future of America and uh, the desire uh, for them to prosper. America has offered so much to so many people in the past. Uh, I want that to continue uh, going forward for my kids and my family, and, and again, all Americans. Everybody deserves to be at the table. Nobody deserves to be left behind. Ray, what do you make of um, Senator Whitehouse's almost obsession with the Supreme Court? I, I find it uh, difficult uh -huh. that he's gone down this road, um, especially against one man. Um, do there need to be fixes with the Supreme Court? Of course it does. Um, is Clarence Thomas the only bad individual? If he's in, if any. If he is even indeed bad, um, and the answer is no. Where was Sheldon Whitehouse when somebody in the Supreme Court leaked something? I didn't see Senator Whitehouse rushing up there saying, oh, my goodness, there's been a breach of protocol. That's right. Uh, we've compromised uh, the integrity of the court because someone's leaking. He wasn't there for that. So, again, we're back to the senator not representing all America. He's pushing a political narrative because uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas uh, had some wealthy friends. And, and uh, I'm just curious, when you say, does the Supreme Court need some uh, revisions or reform? And you said, of course it does. I'm just curious what what you had in mind, or is there someone that has spoken out about it that you've agreed with their position i uh, know actually we had a, a piece uh, that we shared with ed fitzpatrick uh, in, in regards to there are certain protocols that should be established for the supreme court in regards to ethics that aren't there at the moment okay. uh, we've i've got some uh uh people on staff who advise me in that regards because i'm not a lawyer i spent yep. 26 years as a um, Narragan uh, telecommunications manager with the city of Warwick. So I bring people uh, on board who know what they're talking about in regards to the legal issues. And I was advised that the court uh, should have a, uh, a reform in regards to the ethics. Folks, again, we're speaking with Republican challenger to Senator Sheldon Whitehouse for 2024, Ray McKay. Ray, I'm curious, um, back in 2018, Judge Bob Flanders ran against uh, Senator Whitehouse, um, I'm just curious, any thoughts on that campaign or, you know, hindsight 2020, do you think there's an area that the Flanders campaign should have focused on more? I, I think uh, Judge Flanders ran a good campaign. Judge Flanders is a good human being. He's a decent human being. Uh, and I think that's what's been the biggest problem for Republicans all along the way, including Alan Fung, who should be in Congress right now. Yep. Um, is that we play too nice. Uh, the Democrats and the progressives don't care. Yep. Um, they're mean-spirited, and the Republicans play too nice. And you can't beat a bully by being a nice guy. Every once in a while, you have to punch the bully in the nose. Um, talk to me on your views on uh, U.S. role with Ukraine. We need... To support our friends and allies, we need to be very careful as an Army veteran. We need to be very careful that we do not go down the slippery slope where we become engaged in a quagmire. Um, 
we're sending advisors over there right now. We sent battle tanks over there. The battle tanks that we are sending over there are not something anybody just jumps onto and takes a ride on a Sunday cruise. Right. Um, they're intelligent pieces of machinery, and there's training that needs to go on with those. So we're going to be sending people over there to train their forces. My concern is that during the training, uh, Russia sees this as an as an issue or an opportunity uh, to interdict itself and take out some of our tanks. And all of a sudden, we have one, two, three, five, ten, twenty dead Americans. And does that pull us into it even further? So there's a caution there. Yes, we support our friends and allies. Uh, we must be very careful where we deploy our soldiers. Uh, or we go back, you take a look at Vietnam, that's how we started there. We sent advisors into Vietnam in the 60s, and lo and behold, a decade later, we were leaving. Is China our enemy or an adversary? China is definitely an adversary. They have opposing political views on almost everything. Um... An enemy is a hostility. We're not at hostility yet. We have very different ways of lives uh, between the two countries, our philosophy, our human rights. Uh, we have stricter standards, better standards than the uh, Chinese do. So I would go with the adversary at this point in time. Um, very cautious because, again, an enemy is a declaration that there is... Yeah, or maybe we can't turn back. It's, it's a war coming, and I hope we don't get to that point. Unfortunately, our government, with our uh, investment in China, and I say investment in China, you take a look at where all the solar panels and are coming from and the batteries and all the uh, minerals to make them, 50-plus uh, percent come from there and the Congo. So our federal tax dollars are going to the Chinese. I scratch my head on that one uh but that's what senator whitehouse uh, is in favor of and the biden administration's in favor of ray you and again folks speak with ray mckay republican challenger to senator sheldon whitehouse the election will be november next year 2024 ray that's also a presidential election uh what do you what do you think of the current field are you supporting any so far any of the republican candidates running for president at this, point, at this point in time, John, I am not supporting anybody. I'm running for the United States Senate uh, to take a look at what they have to offer and everything else that just goes above and beyond where I need to focus. Uh, my focus right now is on the United States Senate with Sheldon Whitehouse and taking him on and representing these people of the state of Rhode Island better. Uh, whoever comes out of the uh, presidential primary, I will obviously fully support now that we know uh, Joe Biden has announced his intense free election and uh, Mr. Kennedy um, is also joining that mix uh, on the Republican side, I'm going to wait and see whoever comes out. But I've got to focus on my race and that's going to be all consuming. What about in 2016 when there was the Republican uh, presidential primary in Rhode Island? I'm just curious, did you was there someone that you supported or voted for? Oh, there was. Um, in, in 2016, uh, Donald Trump at the time was not my choice. Um, going back to the day, I believe um, I was initially, let's see, 12, 16, going back a little bit here. I believe I was a Ted Cruz guy back I in thought so. Okay. Okay. <laughs> a lot of conservatives were. Um, Ray, I'm also curious right now, Rhode Island resources are being overwhelmed uh, because of the amount of illegals coming into the country, the border, it's an open border. And, and on top of that, Rhode Island happens to be a sanctuary state. We're seeing more and more violence. We're seeing cartel violence in Providence. Governor McKee, who said that um, President Biden is the greatest president Rhode Island's ever seen, he has now given them driver's license. Where's Ray McKay as far as the illegals that are coming into the country and then setting up shop here in Rhode Island? Well, the biggest thing is we need to secure our nation. We need to secure our borders. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. Uh, you go back to the days of Ronald Reagan, Tippie O'Neill. They came down with an agreement between two men in 1986 that we were going to allow 3 million uh, illegal aliens to become American citizens, part A of the agreement. Part B of the agreement was to secure the border. 
and that was in 86. So the Democrats and the Republicans for the past three decades have failed miserably on securing our border, and that needs to be changed. Um, sanctuary cities, sanctuary states, I don't understand. I don't know how anybody thinks that's allowed in the Constitution, the law. We have laws about immigration to the United States of America. Uh, there is nothing in federal law or state law that allows any city or state in the nation to declare sanctuary city, that we are not going to adhere to the laws of the nation. So why Rhode Island thinks that they're above the law is beyond me. Uh, but we definitely need to secure our borders. We need to uh, enhance and, and tweak our immigration system. And there are an awful lot of immigrants who have come to the United States legally uh, who find what's going on at the border uh, repulsive. And the narrative, obviously, is, oh, we've got to be good to these people and everything else. They need to be taken care of in their own countries first. And we need to focus on that. Hey, we Again, we have to secure our border. We have to take care of our own people. Uh, you take a look at California, New York, and all around the nation, and we have homeless, homeless all over the place in the United States of America. Yet, we just sent 1,500 additional soldiers to process illegal aliens. So I think our ideas, our morals, a little sidetracked in the narrative of the progressives and the uh, woke regressives uh, of Washington are misplaced. They're not taking care of the American people. Uh, Senator Whitehouse should be up front uh, pushing for support of the American people rather than supporting the president and the open borders crisis that they've created. It's a humanitarian crisis that both the senator and the president have allowed to occur at the southern border. Folks, again, he is Ray McKay, Republican. He is challenging Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. Ray, congratulations again on the announcement of your campaign. I'm sure we'll talk to you again, and uh, good luck on the campaign trail. Thank you, John. Good talking to you. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane Heating and Cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, dipetro.com. Joining us right now, he is the chief of police in Bristol, but he's also, right now, he is, in fact, the president of the Rhode Island Police Chief Association. We uh, want to say good morning and welcome to Chief Kevin Lynch. Chief, uh, first of all, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. And um, I want to talk a little bit about this Lugo decision that came down recently. But let's start off, Chief. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us. Good morning, John, and uh, our pleasure to come on and uh, certainly to discuss uh, all things policing. Could you just talk a little bit of the uh, the procedure that was involved with this Officer Lugo hearing and the Leobor, uh, just the way it's structured and how, you know, how it comes together? Well, the way the current legislation is drafted is when an accused officer um, is facing administrative charges, um, the officer gets a pick. Um, the police chief gets a pick, and the two of them come together, and they have 30 days under the statute to agree on what we call the neutral or the chairperson. And in this case, it was Major Todd Padalano of the Cranston Police Department. And I believe that the uh, accused officer's pick and the uh, city's pick both agreed um, that Major Padalano uh, would be uh, an excellent choice to be that chairperson. And under the statute, the chairperson uh, is responsible for authoring the written decision. 
And if you could, so, you know, obviously it's a very lengthy, thought out, but this is, you know, conducted where they essentially, it seems, go through all the evidence. Um, is it, can you just touch on the nature of it? Is, is it a trial or do they just go off of all the information? How, how is it they make the determination on the information that's compiled? The way the statute was written is two two prongs, is that the hearing decision, certainly this is, has, you know, uh, it's appealable to the Superior Court. Um, it's overseen by the Superior Court. So this is a full administrative hearing, uh, sits, you know, as a quasi-judicial panel. And one of the things, uh, two of the prongs that are required in the statute is the uh, hearing panel must find a finding of fact. And they have to base their evidence on the fair preponderance uh, of the evidence in the written decision. So those two things have to be discovered before uh, you can sustain, you know, an administrative charge against a police officer. And as we know, uh, Major Padalano has probably done the most exhaustive scientific work that we've seen in a long time on a written decision. And, uh, you know, there's a 56 page decision uh, which outlines you know, uh, that decision in the Lugo matter. Folks, and the, for those who want to read it, I do have it posted uh, with a short article about it on the website, dipetro.com. Chief, I want to just touch on this a little bit because now, and what about witnesses? Do the do the witnesses come in? Is all this determined ahead of time? Is it is it done more like uh, like a trial or is it more just an investigative body? You know, it's done really more like a trial, okay. uh, but the okay. hearing panel themselves has subpoena authority. Yep. So any one of the panel uh, members can ask for additional information. They can ask for legal counsel to be uh, appointed. Uh, but generally, you know, uh, it's no different than a trial. The sitting will put on their case. The officer obviously uh, has an opportunity. Both sides have legal counsel. It mirrors a, a trial. Absolutely. And chief, when when the outcome came out, you know, it's a quick blurb of a headline but as some, anyone that took the time to actually read it i thought especially commander padalano uh his then sequence of events or opinion of how he he mapped it out it seemed to really show inconsistencies in many of the the accusations that had been made by in this particular case it was this individual jennifer rourke but for whatever reason I didn't see or feel that the end result got the full media coverage that it should have received. It certainly didn't, uh, John. And uh, we certainly saw um, the incident in, on the onset get that type of media coverage. You know, we saw a small snapshot of four seconds of video. Um, and that certainly was uh, news and, and top stories uh, throughout the state. But uh, after Padalano uh, issued his decision, uh, quite frankly, you know, we were surprised uh, in in, in uh, media outlets that uh, the decision wasn't discussed. It wasn't posted. I, I think you're the only media outlet that, that has it uh, uh, on for public display. Yeah. And, and just, you know, right now, it certainly seems to be in vogue where people talk about Leobor. Um, Chief, you know, as someone that has covered law enforcement, there's a lot of reforms that that are trying to be put in place or are being put in place. If anything, I, I would argue policing now between the body cams and, and just the the basic restraint that you see officers. I, I think policing right now is is in a new we're in a new age where it's totally accessible and there have been tremendous reforms. You know, John, I'll be 58 years old in July, and I started wearing a uniform when I was a teenager as a reserve officer. And I have never seen the level of reforms that we've seen post-George Floyd. And just Rhode Island alone, you know, the Rhode Island Police Chiefs Association invoked a 20 for 20 campaign when we made 20 promises to work on the issues and the systemic issues that people felt as though needed reforms in police work. We decided to self-report every police department on our use of force to the Department of Justice. In concert with that, we went through and looked at our certification process. Many states have a decertification process for police officers that are terminated or are no longer uh, in the ranks. 
we had a three-year window. If an officer retired from the Bristol Police Department, he had three years where his certification stayed active. We eliminated that. Upon retiring any law enforcement agency in the state, we have a de facto uh, decertification process where you have to go in front of the post, which are gubernatorial appointments, and you have to put on your certification and have a letter of good standing from the department that you're leaving. Let's just look at body-worn cameras. And, you know, we're still rolling them out. I figure by September, most of the departments in Rhode Island will be through all the supply chain issues, the training issues. And each officer has to come under scrutiny by a supervisor. We're examining, by statute, one video a month of the officer out in the field, how he's interacting, um, how he's conducting himself, and we conduct an evaluation. So uh, you look at all of the departments that are both state and nationally accredited in Rhode Island. You look at the reforms, you know, that we have introduced and supported, and uh, we're, we're doing our due diligence. We really feel confident. We have several changes that were proposed in front of the General Assembly on Leopor, um that we're hoping to get the credit for. Folks, again, we're speaking with Chief Kevin Lynch. He is the chief of police in Bristol, but he's also the president of the Rhode Island Police Chiefs Association. Chief, just going back to the Lugo situation, now over the weekend, you know, there was a mass shooting in Texas, and that obviously gets huge headlines. But also, inside the story, that was an off-duty police officer that heard the shots, jumped into motion, and who knows where that, that could have gone. I, I don't think that gets enough coverage of it, it's not it's not a job that people clock out at, at five o'clock. If, if you are an officer, and by the way, thank God that officer in, in Texas over the weekend didn't treat it that way. When, when you are out and there's something going on, wherever it may be, whether it be it's a shopping mall or in some kind of disturbance, police have the training in that situation where we saw and was proven, and I thought Commander Patalano did a, an excellent job bringing it out, was Officer Lugo was injected himself into the situation using his training to try to de-escalate a situation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, that officer in, in Texas did, did an outstanding job. You know, John, the whole profession, you know, has, has clearly, you know, come under fire uh, post-George Floyd. Yep. You know, we went through the defund the police movement where, you know, it was to get at the funding mechanism. And that clearly backfired on people. And we're seeing a swift change from that. But the momentum um, of this anti-police movement has certainly hurt us in the ranks of recruiting, retention. Um, you know, the Providence Journal just did a big story on us a couple of weeks ago. We're struggling to, to get, you know, millennial and Gen Z uh, folks uh, in a career in policing. And uh, we're, we, have, uh, uh, we have increased salaries, we have increased uh, sign-on bonuses, and we are not seeing... Uh, the younger generation interested uh, in, a, in a career of policing. And, and that's troubling because this is a time-honored profession. Uh, the vast, vast majority of folks and, and police leaders are doing an exemplary job. Certainly in every action, in every profession, there's going to be folks that you know don't hold the line that we expect to do so. Uh, but when you look back on everyone calling for uh, repeal on, on Leopor, and this is why the Lugo decision was so important. Yes. You know, as the association, we were waiting for the decision to come out because we had just testified in House Finance, or rather House uh, Judiciary, uh, on a Leopor bill. We've got folks that want to uh, repeal Leopor in, in the state of Rhode Island. And as the chiefs, the group of individuals responsible for good order and conduct in our police departments – we don't want to see Leopold uh, repealed. We don't want to be like Mass in Connecticut and other states in dealing with wrongful termination suits. Leopold does provide a process to eliminate bad apples in our profession. And while we have reforms, and, and I'd be more than glad to talk about those reforms, that we feel as though we'll kind of fill in all of the nuances or the technicalities, you know, that exist with Leopor. Uh, and we're hoping to convince the General Assembly um, that as chiefs, you know, the folks responsible uh, for following this process, that uh, we'll, get some, we'll get some mileage this year. And Chief, um, we, we will, I'll have you back on and we'll talk about some of the reforms, but I want to just also touch on, you know, I, I, um, 
I, for you know, years covered uh, both uh, Public Safety Commissioner Stephen Perry and also Chief Clements. And I, I think something that comes out and came out with the Lugo decision also, it's my belief, is you can see the difficulty in policing in a high-profile manner when a very deceptive slow-motion video went out and then the amount of sometimes political pressure that can lead police to unfortunately hastily make a decision regarding someone's career and future. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that Pat Alano did surgically was he broke down. He just didn't look at the four seconds of video that we all saw supporting, you know, um, a salacious news story, you know, of an off-duty officer. Let's face it, it's on the statehouse steps. Um, it's evolving a white, uh, a Hispanic Republican police officer with a Democratic candidate who happens to be African-American. Um, and all of the, the uh, you know, the Roe v. Wade movement that was going on. I mean, it certainly got great amount of media attention. Uh, and Pat Alano, you know, backed away from all of that, knew he had a different obligation, right? Under the statute, he has to find a finding of fact. To sustain the recommended charges of the city of Providence. Panelano broke it all down for even a lay person to look at this decision. And this is why, I, quite frankly, I don't think that there's been a ton of pushback because Panelano, who did such a methodical job of identifying first the shortcomings on the city of Providence, failing to do a comprehensive internal investigation, but yet the lack of candor that the complainant, you know, had in this particular matter. You know, uh, Patalano broke down all of the charges, you know, uh, when she stated that she was pushed from behind. Yeah. Uh, the hearing panel found that that was not true, that that was inaccurate. You know, the video, when you broke down and watched the video frame by frame, freeze by freeze, you know, it was clear that she was not pushed into Lugo, uh, which resulted in him, you know, uh, uh I understand he did use an open slap and strike rock. Uh, however, uh, the judge uh, in this particular matter found that, like you said, Lugo found himself in a situation where which, which kind of unfolded in front of him was a physical confrontation uh, and a gentleman by the name of Mr. Mello uh, in some type of duress, right? The crowd had turned on him. There was a gentleman out there. Uh, and Lugo decided at that point that he had showed up for whatever reason. Uh, he had a First Amendment right to attend this particular rally. Uh, and the situation turned, as the judge called it, uh, a melee. Uh, at that point, he decided that he had a duty and an obligation to interject himself, and uh, which he did. Uh, and the judge ruled at that point, you know, he became uh, a police officer. Yep. You know, he he injected himself right. uh, because he had a duty and an obligation to do that. He felt as though that a person was going to be physically harmed. And at that point, the crowd kind of turned on Lugo. Yeah. And uh, it uh, turned into a situation where uh, the uh, victim, Mrs. Rook, uh, stated that, you know, she was uh, grabbed uh, and, and, and pushed and shoved. And as Patalano broke down all of the evidence, you'll see on, on, on page 42 of 56 of that decision, um, Rock repeatedly testified she did not grab Lugo and refused to acknowledge it uh, when it was clear in the video uh, that she had. It was troubling to the hearing panel yeah. uh, why she was, you know, when displayed clearly on video um, that she ascertained that she never touched Lugo, which we know is, 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 uh, was a truism. She did. Folks, again, the entire decision is posted on the website, DePetro.com. He is the president of the Rhode Island Police Chiefs Association. He's also the chief of police in Bristol. It is uh, Chief Kevin Lynch. And uh, Chief, you mentioned this summer, uh, first of all, thank you for taking the time. I'm going to have you on again. You mentioned this summer you have a birthday coming up. I'm just a little concerned. Can you still... Do you still have the bat speed in the, the batting cage? I'm hearing you're struggling a little bit. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> we do have a, a, a softball game on the uh -oh. 18th. It's All right. Police versus fire. In the Wait a minute. Field. Here we go. <laughs> 
So maybe there'll be a uh, John DePietro sighting. You'll, you'll leave the city of Cranston and come down to the uh, uh, picturesque uh, Bristol. And, uh, yes, we are challenging the fire department, and all of the proceeds, 100%, will go to Bristol Youth Sports. And uh, the fire chief is pitching for the fire department, and I will be pitching and hopefully batting uh, for the police department. All right, let's hope so. Don't get yourself hurt. Chief, great to talk to you. Good luck, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. Falcon Pest Services, 12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Called Falcon Pest Services today, 401-739-1322. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. Locally owned and operated, serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. They offer services for termites, bed bugs, ants, roaches, mice, rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon Pest services today. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Well, um, check out the, the website, dipietro.com, simply because yesterday afternoon, huge police activity situation in Coventry, you can uh, see it all. Well, Coventry has been the center of attention lately. Incredible. As far as uh, unique police stories and also just police activity. Plus, you had the murder, uh, Carbuncle Pond. Check it all out at the website, dipetro.com. Let's go to City of Warwick. Uh, this story is embarrassing, but it's embarrassing because of the McKee administration, what they're planning on doing. And what they're basically the state is going to start to do is the state is essentially going to start to adopt adults and take care of them at Motel 6 in Warwick. I kid you not. Listen to this interview with uh, Channel 12. I see him to stay because it's not right that he served our country. Now he's going to be sleeping in the car. We're going to be all right. I don't see that we're going to be all right. God, I'm going to be all right, but I don't see that you're going to be all right. That's what bothers me. I'm concerned about you, not me, you, as a veteran's you. Uh, we'll be all right. So these people, because they're going to be moving the homeless people to Motel 6 in Warwick, people that are there were initially told they had to move out. <laughs> Listen to this number. By the way, the, the mayor of Warwick needs to speak out louder. So there have been um, 40 have, that have been li living there since last fall. 40 homeless people living at the Motel 6, Jefferson Boulevard, right off the highway in Warwick. <clears throat> Listen to this. Just 40 of them. They're about to ship 55 more there. So there's going to be close to, plus they all bring friends and so forth. So it's going to be close to 100. The city's police department... Officers have responded. Now, this is since last fall, 40 of them were there, homeless people, whatever we're calling them. They're not homeless because then there's people who choose not to work or pay rent. 300 calls at the Motel 6, Jefferson Boulevard, Warwick. Since those 40 moved in, do the math on that. 300 calls since the fall. And officers have con conducted 225 direct patrols. So if you have 300 calls with 40 homeless people and you have another 55 coming in, <laughs> you might as well just set up a precinct right there at the Motel 6 Jefferson Boulevard. This is absolute insanity. And the state's going to pay for them to be there. The state, this is, this is Rhode Island. Your tax dollars, by the way. Governor McKee is now going to be paying people who don't want to pay rent, who refuse to work, who are, excuse me, choose not to work. Therefore, they don't have money for rent. And Governor McKee has decided 
that they're essentially adopting these people. So that's going to, boy, that should do a lot for business. Can you imagine? Yeah, that should be great. So there are already 40 there, 55 more coming. I don't know how these people are staying in business. By the way, I don't know who would want to, want to, excuse me, stay there. I'm not sure who exactly would want to be saying, yeah, I think we'll stay there at the homeless hotel. As I was saying, you know, that used to be a place. Tom Bodell, right? Clean, comfortable room. We'll leave the light on for you. Motel 6 was no frill. It wasn't great, but clean, comfortable room. Now, it's essentially just becoming for those who choose not to work. Here is, I believe, the uh, NBC 10. They also did a story on it. And we'll have some audio of it. But the mayor of Warwick, I mean, I don't, I don't think he looks good here in any way. I think he, uh, I think the, the mayor looks bad. Here we go. Good evening, I'm Patrice Wood. Nice to have you with us. I'm Dan Janik. And as we reported last night at 11 o'clock, they're still accepting reservations from mm-hmm. the public. NBC10's Katie Benoit is live there now with what lawmakers say about this situation. Katie? Dan and Patrice, about 50 homeless people are set to move into this hotel over the next couple of days. Officials are wondering if that means police will have to start coming here more. Motel 6 in Warwick is becoming a temporary home for 55 people currently staying at the Cranston Street Armory. There's already 40 other homeless people living here at the motel. Mayor Frank Bacosi says he's concerned there might be an uptick in EMTs and might police be. having to respond here. Yes, I'm very concerned about the costs. I mean, you know, like I said, we're stretched thin and uh, we be. have to worry about public safety uh, for all residents. So, you know, we can't be shorthanded because of calls there. We'd have to put extra personnel on, which would result in overtime, which would get very costly. Data from the Warwick Police Department shows there were more than 300 calls for service since October to Motel 6. Police say the calls are often drug or mental health related. There were 18 arrests in that time. We're definitely interested to see the increase of calls for service. There's certainly potential for that. Anytime you bring more people into an area, you create the potential for more calls for service. Open Doors Rhode Island is a service provider for this site. They say there'll be full-time security on site and a curfew. And we're confident that the project can have a minimal burden on the community with the level of staffing and security that we have in place. Pagosi says he's spoken with Governor Dan McKee about the situation and is looking for possible funding to help with police and fire response. Officials are looking at data from when the Nilo Hotel was a temporary shelter. Calls there are way down now from a year ago. Meanwhile, the police department says they're making some changes to their tracking system. So that we can track this and monitor it and see how we can allocate resources most appropriately moving forward. Ridiculous. Now, anyone can still book a room here at Motel 6. Oh, yeah. And coming up at 6, hear about another homeless shelter that could potentially be coming to Providence. Live in Warwick, Katie Benoit, NBC 10 News. Oh, yeah, I'm sure people are lining up right away, bookings.com, to get a room there. This, this, Folks, is this leadership to you? This is Governor McKee. This is his way. All right, let's get them out of Providence. We're going to ship them to Warwick, pay for them to live. Guess what's going to happen? Do you think these people are actually going to find jobs in employment? Over the course of, what, the summertime? (laughs) With a free place to stay on Jefferson Boulevard? They're not going to. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Remember to log on to DePietro.com. We have original stories, original videos, also links to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Plus, you can get some great merchandise in the shop. Log on, DePietro.com. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. AtMed Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At AtMed Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families they're on duty at all times they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical now if you're in a car accident go to atman urgent care avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms they also do adult vaccinations laboratory testing atman urgent care when it's an emergency 
1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right, in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. To the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, depietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live, or YouTube or Twitter. It's all right there at the website topetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at topetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website topetro.com. remain healthy stop in and see marie at it's my health 1099 mendon road in cumberland you can also look for on facebook but call her 401-305-3585 you know the building it's that historic white church diagonally across from davenport restaurant it's my health what do you find inside well first of all great service great selection vitamins herbal remedies from trusted companies local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care. It's my health. Poppin' and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401 305 3585 diagonally across from Davenport restaurant this portion of the John DePietro show it's brought to you by lawn doctor your best lawn ever guaranteed and I can tell you with my own experience what a fantastic job they did and have done with my lawn The easiest thing to do is log on to their website. It's LawnDoctor.com. LawnDoctor.com. Put in your zip code. Your best lawn ever. Guaranteed. It's Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. You can call them 401-392-1025. But log on to their website. LawnDoctor.com. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Delicious food and drink. Always a nice crowd. You can either eat in the lounge area. There's normally a game on and a nice group of people there. Or you could sit out in the dining room. Don't forget the nice weather. They have the deck open. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Delicious food and drinks awaiting for you. I'll see you at the Lodge. 